Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert in this beautiful and haunting time of year. When here in the Northern Hemisphere, days are short and nights are especially dark. In the old Celtic lands of Europe and the British Isles, it is a time when it is said that we can reach through the veil that usually separates us from the other side. Astronomically, it is the darkest time of the year. And if you love the season but are put off by the cheap, loud vulgarity of modern Halloween, take heart. The old Halloween marks the cross-quarter day, midway between the equinox and the solstice. For the Celtic tribes, this was the beginning of the season. And over the centuries, we've messed with the calendar here and there. Seasonal to Gregorian to Julian, what used to be October 31 is now November 7. The true cross-quarter day, right in the middle between autumn equinox and winter solstice. Maybe that's why we have election day at the same time of year. It is a scary time. At one time of year, we suddenly realize people we've long thought dead are actually sort of barely alive. Sort of held together with the devil's magic and duct tape. Lumbering about, terrifying the children, running for re-election in our district, it's terrifying. The Druids may have put particular importance on this particular cross-quarter night because of the annual culmination of a cluster of stars we call the Pleiades, or Seven Sisters, which a thousand years ago would have happened at midnight on the old calendars October 31. Ancient cultures around the world thought the Pleiades were very important. They're in the old religion of the Greeks as the seven daughters of Atlas. And they are mentioned in the Old Testament twice in the book of Job. And the Hebrew scholars of old believe Moses got special knowledge of this cluster of stars. Knowledge from God when they talked upon the mountaintop. And because of this knowledge, it was known in ancient Israel that these stars, which are 444 light years away, were more numerous than we could see. When Galileo first used a telescope to view the cluster in the year 1610, he counted 36 stars. By the year 1779, the number of known stars in the cluster had nearly doubled. 
to 64. Moses was apparently told of 100 stars in this cluster, this closest cluster to Earth. And if you look at the website astronomy.com in our time, you'll see the Seven Sisters described as a cluster of 100 or more stars. Moses was right. The ancient Japanese spoke of six stars. Because even though the Greeks named the stars the Seven Sisters, there are only six visible to the naked eye. Especially now with all the light pollution and the smoke from the wildfires. Those six stars of the Pleiades remain very meaningful in Japan. Subaru borrowed the star cluster for its car logo. Because Subaru is a Japanese name for the group, it means to unite. You have to wonder what our ancient ancestors knew about the Seven Sisters, why it was so important. Important enough to make Halloween the holy night of the Pleiades culmination in the autumn sky. Maybe we were visited. Maybe we're still being visited. Those stars appeared only 100 million years ago when dinosaurs ruled the world. Some would say their direct descendants, the ravens, the crows, the corvids, still rule the world. But then the dinosaurs died out, the big ones anyway, and a completely new species of animal appeared on Earth, the primates. The earliest mammals that were something like primates appeared about 65 million years ago. Monkeys about 30 million years later. And now here we are, trying to figure out if we can kill ourselves and everything else on Earth in just a couple of hundred years. If you want to improve your Halloween experience... Next time, skip the fake blood and the movie character costumes and hold your own celebration on cross-quarter night. It's a good time to be outside in the desert and the cool fall night. Especially up in the high desert where it's sometimes even cold enough to put on a sweater if you can find one. And that's a good time of year because you can set out some lanterns and you don't have to worry so much about scorpions crawling up your legs. And the sky is often clear, often clean. Relatively clean, anyway. Invite some people over and do whatever it is you do. Sit outside and talk about the end of the world. Pick out the constellations. Watch for shooting stars and UFOs. Go up to the mountains and bring home some hard apple cider. Maybe have some kind of ritual at midnight with the Pleiades overhead. Tell some ghost stories around the campfire. Listen for the coyotes. Watch for the shadows of the owls. The cross-quarter day will be November 7 in 2019, too. It's called Samhain, or Samhain, or Soin, depends on your particular Celtic pronunciation, your particular tribe. 
Americans sometimes say Samhain due to the way it's spelled. And due to the fact that Glenn Danzig once had a band of the same name. And because horror punk record covers rarely come with Gaelic pronunciation guides. As for the culmination of the Pleiades this year, it hasn't yet happened. But it is coming soon. November 21, midnight. That's a real Halloween. It has become fixed upon our calendars, our miserable Google calendars and Outlook calendars and school calendars. But our solar system is in motion and so is our galaxy. So over time, over the past couple of thousand years... The night of culmination has moved forward a couple of weeks in our autumn season. While the date is stuck, whether October 31 or November 7. So mark your calendars for the night of November 21. Then watch for the Seven Sisters as they appear in the northeastern sky. Who knows what might happen? under those mysterious stars. Who knows what it really means when that cluster of very close stars is right on top of us. Up through the darkness while ravening clouds the burial clouds and black masses spreading. Lower sullen and fast athwart and down the sky amid a transparent clear belt of ether yet left in the east. Ascends large and calm the Lord's star Jupiter and nigh at hand only a very little above swim the delicate sisters, the Pleiades. Walt Whitman, on the beach at night, 1871. Tonight I've watched the moon and then the Pleiades go down. The night is now half gone, youth gone. I am in bed, alone. Well, that one carries some weight for the middle-aged reader. That one is by Sappho, written on a Greek isle, 570 B.C.
Like everywhere, we've got monsters in the desert. And like everywhere, they are not animals that you can catch or cage or shoot despite the bozo documentaries on cable TV. But they do appear. They do frighten people. They occasionally do attack people. And everywhere you go in this desert, there is a local version of the story. These mountains right behind us hold one of the best-known stories, and it's a name you'll hear all over this town. And it's Takitz, who is said to have been a shaman who turned to evil and then turned into a monster. This one appears two ways, as an orb of green, staticky light, a ball of green light that will follow and chase you down these canyons. And the other is of an immense, shaggy beast, seven or eight feet tall, red lights for eyes. We were talking about this particular desert Sasquatch last year here. And a woman came up to me afterwards and explained how she and her best friend had hiked that trail as it was a place she liked to go and sit and meditate. And on one particular occasion, they went up there and the bushes and the brush all around them started thrashing around, even though there wasn't any wind. And they got this feeling of terrible dread. And so they started running down the trail. And as they ran down the trail, the brush and the bushes around them were thrashing in front of them and alongside of them all the way down. She said she no longer went there to meditate. At Edwards Air Force Base, there are a couple of different versions of this monstrosity. And the names are especially dumb because they were named by base police who were trying to sound cool to each other. Now that's a big base up there. Most of it consists of immense dry lakes with runways that go into the lakes. And because there have been so many secret black aircraft that have been tested and developed there, they are very careful about security. They don't want any spies from the Russian Air Force or any other potential rival getting a look at our next jet fighter or stealth fighter. So in the 1970s, there was a group of police who patrolled the area. They were known as the Desert Rats. 
officially the base Air Force police patrol of a unit, which I do not remember the number of. And the guys on the night shift were bedeviled throughout the 1970s. Sensors would go off, alarms would go off, security cameras would pick something up, wires would be tripped. And they'd send a couple of these poor guys out in a little pickup truck out into the dry lake bed to where whatever was happening was supposed to be happening. And they'd get out and they'd see a pair of blue eyes, like blue lasers, hovering about eight feet over the ground. They couldn't make out anything else, no shape of a body, no anything. And as they'd approach it, the eyes would move around. And then they'd lose track of it and it would be behind them. The one sergeant who made a formal report was so mocked by his fellow officers that nobody else ever made a formal report. And this was revealed when these guys had a reunion in 2008 on base. And it was reported in the base newspaper, which is called Inside Edwards. This guy's talking about their experiences with the, that particular creature, which they called Old Blue Eyes, after Frank Sinatra. Another version of this creature that they would encounter, again, never seeing the actual thing, but hearing it, knowing that security measures had been triggered, they called Marvin of the Mojave. Marvin of the Mojave left one specific kind of evidence, and that was footprints in the dry lake bed that looked like about a size 15 sneaker. Marines from 29 Palms, who would go up to Big Bear to cool off in the summer, began telling the story of the cement factory monster in the late 1970s, early 1980s. That big, ugly cement factory on the side of the mountain there, the north side of the San Bernino's that you can see from Lucerne Valley, now owned by Mitsubishi. It's been in operation for a long time. It's where a lot of the gravel and rocks and concrete that make up all of our Southern California highways and freeways come from. They were coming down from Big Bear had a bunch of beer in the car and thought they might want to drink that off before they got back to base. So they pulled off on the gravel road into the cement factory. And they got down to a point in the road where they were shielded from view from the road and hopefully from security. And at the point they were going to get out and consume their beer, an absolute monster appeared in the headlights, again, eight, maybe ten feet tall, arms swinging, eyes glowing. Now they nearly backed into a gravel pile, turned around, tires spinning, and in their rearview mirror they saw the thing running after them, keeping up with them 45 miles an hour down the gravel road.
There's now a fence. You can no longer enter. And then in Joshua Tree in Yucca Valley in 29 Palms, we have our beloved Yucca Man, the desert Sasquatch of the high desert. A ritual for new Marines on the 29 Palms base is to be sent out on your first night into the open desert to confront the Yucca Man, who on base is almost always one of their comrades in one of those camouflage suits with the strings hanging down everywhere. They jump out from behind a yucca, scare the hell out of the new recruit, and the legend continues. The thing was, there was an actual yucca man on base as the base expanded. It was uh, adjunct to Camp Pendleton initially. And the most consistent story you hear is of a guard working at the old rifle range and something came up behind his little guard shed he turned on his flashlight and saw nothing and he heard it to his side he left his little guard booth bravely and shined his flashlight around And he saw it just for a minute, towering over him, stinking like rotten eggs, sulfur, the eyes glowing. And one of these massive limbs slammed him right in the head, and that's where they found him several hours later, with his sidearm bent in half. There's only one picture that's ever been taken of Yucca Man that I've ever seen, anyway. It was taken at the uh, Jumbo Rocks campground in Joshua Tree. And it shows on the rocks a uh, kind of large, loping primate of some kind. There are reports of people waking up in the night hearing the zipper of their tent being slowly pulled up as their eyes began watering from the terrible smell of rotten eggs. So lock your doors tonight. this Halloween campfire stories. It's a good night for such stories. The plan is we will do these again on the last Wednesday of November and the last Thursday of December and the last Thursday of January. They're on the Ace Hotel calendar and if I have the dates right I will mention 
them on the radio show. There's a Desert Oracle radio show that broadcasts Friday nights at 10 p.m. in Joshua Tree on 107.7 FM KCBZ. That's really the best way to hear the show. You can hear it driving through Mojave National Preserve, kind of coming in and out as the mountains block the signal, right before they get you, right before the satanic cult pulls you out of your car. You can enjoy some quality radio on the FM. It's a podcast as well on iTunes and etc. Just over a year ago, in October 2017, the first interstellar object ever detected within our solar system was discovered by a sharp-eyed astronomer named Robert Warrick at Hawaii's Pan-STARRS telescope. But it had already shot by Earth before it was noticed, and some detective work revealed that the thing had dropped into our solar system from above and then took a gravity assist from the sun to zip right past Earth. We almost missed it completely. Who knows how many times this slender, cigar-shaped mystery object has made self-flybys. Who knows how many more of them there are. We don't know much about it, is what I mean. It doesn't look or act like a comet, and it doesn't look or act like any asteroid we've ever noticed before. And because of this, a new designation had to be made by the International Astronomical Union, I for Interstellar. So, while we know it as Oumuamua, Hawaiian for a scout from afar, you can also call it One Eye, the first known interstellar object that it sounds a lot like the spaceship disguised as a weirdly narrow asteroid in the Arthur C. Clarke novel Rendezvous with Rama, published in 1973, is just one of those things. And this week, an academic paper was published by two scientists with the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, suggesting that the oddball traveler is a space probe from an alien civilization. Honestly, that's what I figured all along... If you like the stories about our desert monsters, I'll be telling some more of these tales for the Morongo Basin Historical Society's second Wednesday lecture series. Wednesday, November 14, 5.30 p.m. on the dot. Get there a little early if you want a seat. It's at the High Desert Nature Museum right there at Demosa and Highway 62 in Yucca Valley. $5 donation at the door goes to the Historical Society. You've been listening to Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from Joshua Tree, Fridays at 10 p.m. across the Mojave on KCDZ 107.7 FM from Amboy to Zizek's. Thanks to Red Blue Black Silver for the eerie soundscapes. I'm your host, Ken Lane. Visit us online at desertoracle.com. Good night from the voice of the desert. <laughs>